guys, I'm Ashley. And I'm Rachel. We're just two friends with trauma that can't afford therapy. Join us as we explore the weird, heavy, taboo, and lighthearted. And everything in between. We are Currently Currently Anxious. Before we dive in, Currently Anxious is for adults only, and our episodes may contain material that is hard for some listeners. Please review the episode description for more details. So guys... We've alluded to this. Yes. We've alluded to this for a while now. This is kind of the reason we started the podcast. Yeah. Um, this one, you're going to get all of the, the details about um, how our boyfriends died. I mean, not, not all, all of them. The details. Not all of them. <laughs> there will be some that we can't share at, the t- yes. at this time. Yes. But the general public knowledge, like information. Right. Exactly. Because I know from personal experience, a lot of people don't like to or know how to ask but like people are always curious about what happened and because guess what normally uh 28 year olds don't just die i agree yeah and my boyfriend was 26 so it is it is one of those things that people definitely ask about or especially when we work at a bar (laughs) they drunkenly ask or say things to you that are a little bit inappropriate yeah but like normal people yeah. <laughs> that aren't inebriated. Still are curious. Are curious, but don't want... They, and I do this to other people, too, right? Like, I... When someone's going through, I have a really hard time of figuring out... Like, because we're all curious beings. We yeah. all want to know. We're yeah. all, like... We're all a little bit nosy. what happened, though? Yeah. Spill the tea. Spill the tea. <laughs> but if you're, like, an, a caring human being, you don't want to be like, oh, so tell me about this really traumatic... Right. event that happened to you in detail please exactly but I think as people we also word vomit what happened to us because yeah. we have no way of really figuring out what we're supposed to say what we're not supposed to say yeah what you're supposed to be feeling at that point absolutely it's a roller coaster yeah I have also to me and that we're in different places right so I'm about yes. four and a half years out and I'm a year and a half so I I think this this freaks people out sometimes when they find out about yeah. it. And then, like, I have pretty little emotion right. when I tell people about it because it's just factually my life now. And I think people really have a hard time. Like, they don't know because they're like, why why isn't why doesn't she seem more upset? And it's like, well, because right. it happened to me four and a half years ago. Well, and I think it depends on who you are, how you True. grieve. True. If you're, uh, I don't want to say because you're never going to be over it. No. It's there every day. Yeah. Which, okay, so this is what I, the one thing that I looked up for this that I thought was pretty interesting. Um, So it says, basically, for the three types of losses, the most intense part of your grieving. Mm -hmm. So there was the loss of a child or partner was one thing. Mm -hmm. Family or friend was another. And pet was another. Okay. So under a year... If you lost a pet, that's 81% of your grieving is at that point. Is within a year. Yes. Family or friend is 72%. Okay. Child or partner is 32%. Oh, that's a steep, that's a steep decline of your percentage of grief in a year. Exactly. So over a year for pet, 7%. Okay. Family or friend, 10%. Child or partner, 38%. So it's pretty evenly distributed between the first so, three years. So, well, this is the thing. So it says ongoing for the rest of the time, for the rest of your life, you're grieving a pet 12%, 18% for family or friend, and 30% wow. for your partner. So I feel like what that said to me was we consistently are 
going to feel pretty much the same about it. After year two? No, just in general, forever. Well, yeah, like, but you do, like, 30, like, in one year to do 32% of your grieving. Right. And then the next year to do 30. 38. 38, sure. And then, but after year two, you're telling me it's 30% for the rest of your life. So 30% broken over the rest of your years. Oh, I thought of it like... Oh, I guess you're right. Mild, right? You're having two heavy, heavy years of extreme processing. Okay. I thought of it more like it's so you're going to feel pretty much the same about it the entire time. That's kind of what I thought. Okay. <laughs> but maybe I'm wrong. I could I be mean, wrong. It could be either. This is true. No, very either. true. But I was just like, man, of course, like you're going to feel intense about it. Yeah. Losing a child or partner more intense than you would, I think, well, a pet or... Absolutely. Yeah. Well, 1,000%. Right. And I think it also, the, the level of, of grief and how hard it is depends on the manner of passing as well. Absolutely. Because if you see it coming or you know it's going to happen, that's a little bit different too. And I, I thought about that a lot. Fun fact, I just collect friends that have dead boyfriends. I have, Hi, I'm part of the collection. Yeah, <laughs> she she was not the first. So yeah. I've, I made, um, I've referenced her before, my friend Patty. Yes. She was my, my first dead boyfriend friend. Mm-hmm. Then I made my, fr- my another friend of mine, Allison. You. Yes. So I really just, I've become like a cat lady, but for like friends with dead boyfriends. <laughs> like I just... <laughs> Do you have one? Yeah. Come on over. Yeah. Come on over. But this is the thing. We were bonding before, before everything. Absolutely. And I think this is why we say this to each other a lot. We found each other when we needed each other. Oh, you know? I really... So this might be getting a little heavy yeah. pretty early. We're like two minutes in. I mean... But... It's going to be better. You're right. So. It is. Yeah. I um, might cry. Who knows? Who knows? And so if like it makes you uncomfortable that like we kind of chuckle through it, it's just our coping mechanisms. Or else I would be crying this Yeah. Time, yeah. So. It's just easier to laugh off the pain than anything else. Yeah. So, but I, the the night that, that Dalton died and you called me, I had a complete, so I, w- I would like to make it about me. I would That's like okay. to make that <laughs> night about me right now. That's Okay. <laughs> It's as we do, you oh, know? Oh, God, I feel like such a narcissist. You're so, <laughs> on my drive over here, though, like, I had a meltdown because it, clear it like, started bringing up the feelings that I had. Like, yeah. I remember that my that, day specifically. Yeah. And I had this whole... I didn't ex- even think about it, and I'm sorry. No, no, <laughs> I, I... So, I had this whole existential crisis mm-hmm. on the drive over here, basically being, like, everything is planned from the beginning. We have no free will. Yeah. Nothing matters. Like, I met Patty who went to the bar that like you worked at. Yeah. I met her. She took me there for trivia. I ended up getting a job there. You worked there. We became friends. Yeah. All for this one moment. Right. Of like I needed you you having time. someone that knew <laughs> to an extent what the fuck was about to happen like what yeah. was happening. And so I like literally pa- I panicked on my drive over here and I like was like, oh my God doesn't matter what we do. Yeah. It does. It's all planned. And nothing I is, think nothing that is too. I mean, in that moment, for sure, I, I immediately, this is the thing. I didn't call anybody. I literally was like, Rachel, gotta call Rachel because she has a dead boyfriend. The token dead boyfriend friend. Please help me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's fucking wild. That was a heavy night. For sure. Yeah. It's one of those things that like, in those moments, you're never going to forget how you found out 
the words that were said to you. It's just yes and no to an extent. I think there's different. There's it comes back to like your trauma responses, right? So there are very specific moments of mine that I remember, very specific that I, I like you said, you'll never forget. But I really blacked out for a lot of it. Okay, I really have disassociated from a lot of those first few days. I mean, I couldn't tell you what I did after the fact. I know I didn't eat. <laughs> and I had to have my mom come over a lot as yeah. a 26-year-old. I was like, mother, yeah. I need you to come over every single day and baby me, me like yeah. you did yeah. when I was a child. Oh, God. I truly don't wish it on anybody. No. But if it happens to you, we're here hit, our, hit our DMs because we, <laughs> I truly do collect collect um, friends that have dead partners. And I really think that's something that I'm just going to be... And and that's another thing, too. You lose a lot of people. Yeah. And you don't realize that you're going to lose a lot of people because well, they don't know how to talk to you. No. And it's, it was really surprising to me the, that, like, some of the people that I thought would be there yes. weren't. And some of the yes. pe- some people that I hadn't spoken to in years or something, like, just out of the woodwork those were the people that showed up yeah it's just fascinating i got a lot of messages from people from high school and i did not respond to a single one because obviously dalton and i met when we were 13 and in uh junior high you can't hear this via podcast but i just rolled my eyes yeah they almost got stuck into the back of my head (laughs) that is one of the icky things that happens yeah um when somebody passes is anyone that has ever known them or spoken to them or like had a passing fleeting moment with them right all of a sudden is completely broken over yeah. situation. I I dealt with a lot of that as well, and it didn't. I didn't realize how frustrated I was by it until like after the fact when I really processed like all the people that messaged me, and I'm like, they're like, oh my god, I knew Corey and all, and I'm like, we were so close. I'm like, he never literally. I don't even know who you are. Yeah, I dated him for five years and he never mentioned you. I right. What? And like people just take. So I have tried ever since then that like. Even if I know someone vaguely that's passed, I don't make a big to-do about it. I don't make a social media post. I don't, because I'm like, this is affecting other people that actually do this person every single day of their lives. And I'm not going to try, I'm not taking away. Like, I'm sad, of course. I don't, anyone I know that has passed, like, that's sad. But I'm not, people like to really make it about themselves. Yeah. And and that's the thing. I didn't want to talk about it at all. I did this really cringy thing. Oh! I can't wait to hear about it. So... Everyone and their mom, that first day that that it was public, that he passed, everyone and their mom was messaging me, talking to me, asking me what happened. First of all, I didn't know. I had no idea what happened. I did not find out for months later. So that was like a second healing. And that sucked. Yeah. But... I went on Instagram and I posted this video to my story and I was crying oh my, my eyes God, out. I forgot about this. I forgot about this. And I was like, everybody stop asking me what happened. I don't know. Please stop talking to me about it. I'm so sorry. I'm laughing at you. I but remember. so fucked. Actually, I specifically remember that. And I remember like texting Patty and just being like, Okay. Um, and I just really had to take, cause obviously like I'm further removed from it. Right. Yeah. It's been years since that was me, but I was like, okay. Yeah. I definitely 
every every year when March comes around and I get those Facebook memories, I'm reminded of some of these posts that I made that I'm like, oh my god, that was yeah. some heavy fucking shit to just lay out there on Facebook, like uh-huh. for people that are just scrolling around looking at d- pictures of in memes, and then all of a sudden yeah. here's just like this pair of like this novel. I think it was more of a. Oh, I was hoping that people would just stop talking to yeah, me. To just like, just leave me, leave alone. me alone, dude. I'm not okay. I was in my bed. I was trying to be depressed and sleep, but my brain wouldn't shut off. I yeah. couldn't sleep. I'd sleep for two hours, and then I'd wake up. And my dumbass, the first thing that I found on Netflix to watch was Virgin River about a lady whose husband dies. And I was like, cool. That just feels good. <laughs> so the first night um, after Corey died, and at some point we'll have to just, like, go chronological and you can tell your story and I can tell mine otherwise yeah. it's gonna be these tangents but the first night so like Corey died in the middle of the night so yeah. at 3am that next night I like stayed up my my mom and my best friend flew down from Wisconsin we're going to I'm using air quotes we're, we're heading to bed that next night yeah. and sleep for shit but my mom was there and like she went to like I went to lay on my side of the bed and she went to lay on Corey's side of the bed and I screamed at her. Yeah. I had a complete freak out and she was like, I was like, you can't sleep. It was awful. Yeah. And so she's like, how about I sleep on your side? You sleep. And I was like, okay. And I, I, she gave me her iPad because I didn't have a TV in, in my bedroom to watch something because I wasn't sleeping. I was just laying there mm-hmm. numb. Yep. And I was like, <laughs> well, I don't want to watch, you know, The Office because I don't really want to associate, the, you know, I was trying to find mm-hmm. that. I was like, oh, I'll throw on Grace and Frankie because I don't actually like I watched the first season and it was good I'll start the second season whatever that first episode I know. of season two <laughs> is all about her husband having a heart attack and I having know. him in the hospital and I literally like turned it off and I was like it's everywhere <laughs> I'm it, never getting away like, from it it literally the things that just pop up and you're like what like why did that happen but the sa- I did the same thing to my mom my mom laid there and I was like Ugh, you're gonna need please. to not do that and I just didn't want to touch. I literally have pictures of me taking the first shower after the fact, laying in a towel, and I took pictures of what the bed looked like the last okay. time he was there. Yeah. Um, because I was crazy. I literally still have his shirt that smells like mm-hmm. him in my glove compartment for when I feel a little weird and yeah. I need to smell him. No, like that's not weird. <laughs> I bought a bottle. So Corey had a cologne. And I would, like, spray it on my pillow at night. Yeah. And that helped. Um, but then I had a realization that, like, eventually it would run out. Yeah. And so I, I bought a different one that I use when I want to smell it. Yeah. And I keep his separate because I didn't want, like, the one that he had to run out. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> They're just, like, real neurotic. Like, you don't understand. Like, you don't. And you don't know why you're doing. I mean, you know why. But, like, I don't know. And that was the hardest thing, too, I think, for me. Which is weird because there's a lot of hard things that happen. After sleeping next to somebody and having them touch you for so many nights in a row and then all of a sudden that's gone I felt so uncomfortable in my skin yeah and I just like I didn't you feel like an alien you're just like I had this this moment when I was picking up my mom and my Mm -hmm. friend and then Corey's aunt from the airport yeah where we were sitting in the car at the airport waiting for them and I just looked at all of these people, thousands of people coming and going, flying, living their lives. And I'm like, none of these people have any idea that I'm sitting here yeah. picking up my family because my boyfriend died. Mm-hmm. Like, no, not all of these people are just like, you just, there's such a disconnect from people yeah. for a hot minute. And 
I'm a year and a half in and I'm still very disconnected from people. Especially people that like don't have an empathetic side or haven't gone through a significant loss. Yeah. What made drove me so crazy, and I know it's just people trying to relate, but like when people would be like, Oh my god, my grandfather died. Oh my god, a year ago. And you're just like (laughs) Right. But your grandfather was probably like eighty five years old and lived a life. And I'm sure that that was very hard for you, but like and I know that it was just people trying to connect on a level because they didn't know how to. Yeah. But, like, just spoiler alert, guys, if someone comes to you and tells you their partner, child, someone in their every single day life that was had not lived an entire life yet yeah. has died, please do not say, oh, man, yeah, my childhood pet died a couple years ago. Yeah. It was tough. Like, that's a real thing someone said to me. Yeah. I just can't even. Don't do it. It's better to just be like, that fucking sucks. I would rather every single person have just said that fucking sucks than any other I agree. thing they try and to come up thing. with. I really don't know what I would, would want someone to say. I really don't yeah. know. Because I think at every point of the whole thing, I... How do I even explain this? Anything you said was wrong. <laughs> That's um, not wrong. You're not wrong. That's no absolutely matter, right. No matter what yes. you said, I was like... Why would you You're say that? You're a fucking idiot. Yeah. Why would you say that shit to me? Like, it just. There was no winning for people. No, honestly. and I've, and that's honestly still to this point, and I guess moving forward in, in that respect, when it comes to trying to date new people or trying to be around new people, like, no matter what they say about the situation, is still wrong. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. What I mean? so 1000%. It's like, it's really hard to do anything after the fact, I guess. 1,000%. <laughs> Absolutely. So, do you want to go first? About? Yeah, tell your story. Um, you I... You want me to go first? See, this is the thing. I don't know how much I'm going to tell. Yeah. I just it, I just mean more so, like, how you met Dalton and, like, dating and, like... Oh, okay. Disclaimer, like, there are just some things in, in both aspects yes. that this is a major reason why we started this podcast was because we both have situations... Mm-hmm around uh, the passing mm-hmm. of Dalton and Corey that are are pretty taboo and not a lot of people know about and it's not something that can be shared easily without yeah. hurting a lot of people. Exactly. So she and I have obviously shared those things with each other and we were at dinner and we were just talking about how sucky it is but how like these are probably really relatable things to other people but because when someone dies, you can only say good things about them. You're only allowed to say good things about them or else other people make you feel like shit about it. Yes. So because of that, those of us that lived with the sucky, shitty parts of these these situations have to sit with these things alone. And um, feel, not that we don't love them, not that we don't care about them, not that we, I mean, I feel a little bit different about who I was with. Yeah, because I absolutely. thought I knew somebody in a different way. Yeah. But it just feels, it's already isolating having your partner die because, like, yeah. people don't get it. It's already an isolating situation. Yeah. And then to add into it aspects that, like, you really can't share. Yeah. With people or isolates you even further. And it's just, you feel super alone. Right. Exactly. So we wanted to create a space where we talked about stuff. That people don't want to talk about, so other people felt less alone. And honestly, like, 
I don't know how soon this is into everything or if anyone's actually listening at this point, but if you guys have stories that you feel like you want to share with us that you can't tell other people about things you found out after the fact, about yeah. things that you just need to get off your chest about that kind of situation, please feel free to tell us because yeah. we will can email talk us, to you about it. DM us on social media, whatever yeah. works. Yeah. I feel like that's that's kind of what our, our hope was, that people can feel safe enough to say what they need to say. Yeah. Um, and like, and not alone. Yeah. And not like, oh, I'm the exactly. only person that's ever experienced this. Right. Because you aren't. Right. Exactly. <laughs> billions of people. We just have been conditioned to not talk about some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, well, do you want me to go first then? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. So I am originally from Wisconsin. I think I've mentioned a couple of times I'm from the Midwest. Um, I'm from Wisconsin. I left my hometown and went to college uh, in Eau Claire. So the University of Wisconsin, Eau Claire. I always knew I was going to leave the Midwest, but that so that was my, like my first stop. And I ended up meeting Corey. He was a my trainer at Red Robin my the summer of my after my sophomore year. I didn't know. That. So this was 2012. <laughs> yeah. Um I was I'm so pissed that I I think I brought him up in almost every episode. I was currently hanging out with Major Red Flag. Oh. Yep. Okay. I love and this. so when I started working there, Corey made his it made it pretty clear i like to joke that he fell in love with me like the minute he saw me um probably true honestly (laughs) but i was i was seeing major red flag and wanted to continue to do that so i kind of just like let Corey think that like maybe one day he asked me out like five or six times and i said no i was like no i'm really not looking i'm really not looking for anything in college because i don't want to stay here after i graduate in two years in two years that's what i was like really adamant and um anyway so after like six months i think of him asking some stuff had obviously fallen apart (laughs) with major red flag and so i he was like i can't like hang out with you anymore it's too hard whatever and I didn't like that so I asked him if he wanted to go to like see Christmas lights so this is like beginning of December Cute. 2012 and we go and we, we go to all these drive through Christmas lights and walk around this park with Christmas lights and we leave I kid you not Ashley this is what I said we're driving home and I turn to him and I go well like I guess we can try this then <laughs> I love you. So. <laughs> it happened. That was December 10th of We're 2012, which was our anniversary. Different. Yes. So. That's so cute. That was your way of making him your boyfriend? I yeah. guess we can try this. I guess we can try this. I, I, I fine. I like, love yeah. that. So. It's funny because I have the same, almost the same shit. Keep going. So, yeah. So, we dated then throughout my meeting in college. Um, when I graduated in May of 2014, I, exactly what I thought was going to happen happened, which was we stayed in Eau Claire and I didn't leave yeah. like I wanted to, um, which was fine. We got an apartment together. Um, and over the next six months, he got a job promotion um, that took him to, he managed restaurants and that took him to Fargo, North Dakota. So he was co- going back and forth because I was like, um, sir, zero, what? I want to get out of the. I want to get out of the Midwest. I'm not trying to go further north. What are we doing? So I was pretty. It was a tough. It was a tough few months. So he goes back and forth, and I truly thought about just doing a long distance because I was like, 
I'm not moving to North Dakota. It's not right. happening. And then I was like, okay, roles reversed. If I'd gotten a job straight out of college that took us somewhere, I would want him to come with me. Right. So we pack up and we move to North Dakota, I believe, Jan- right after Christmas. So January 2015. Uh, it was horrible. It was January and it was dark and it was gloomy and we knew no one and it was horrific. Um, <laughs> my saving grace was that, that that time I had worked at Texas Roadhouse in Eau Claire. So I could just transfer to the one in Fargo. Nice. Um, where I met Megan, mm-hmm. our producer, yep. her husband, Brandon, and my, my bosom buddy, best friend, Cassie. And so we lived there for a couple of years and <laughs> the it must have been... No, it wasn't even a couple of years. It had to have only been a year. So then in December of 2015, um, a week before Christmas, Corey showed up at the restaurant he was working at and the doors had been chained shut and they had closed without telling anybody. What? Like a week or 10 days before Christmas. (gasps) That's not okay. Yep. So then we were like, well what the fuck are we going to do? We don't want to stay here. We right. don't, they offered him a job back in Wisconsin, and I was like, absolutely not. And so we basically decided he would just get, like, a serving bartending job in the meantime until we figured it out. Because yeah. I was like, you don't want to go through management chain. Like, management and I mean, training. serving and bartending is pretty, you know, Yeah, money. yeah. So basically then I was like, hey, you made us live in North Dakota, so I'm going to pick where we go. And in April 2016, I booked 10 or 11 days out in Tempe, Arizona. And we came out here and I was like, oh, yes, this is happening. I have never been happier. The sun is out. I can drink wine in the pool. Like, this is, why would anyone live anywhere else? I don't understand. Uh, We had a bunch of weddings that we were in over the summer, so we ended up moving down here in, uh, we got here October 1st of 2016. Okay, cool. Right? We're in Arizona. Everything is great. Everything's wonderful. The world is our oyster. Like, like, we don't have kids. We don't, we're just living, we live in Arizona now. Things are great. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, then, um, he was struggling with getting he needed health insurance obviously oh i guess i should preface all of this oh yeah yeah Corey had crohn's disease i can't believe i took I you mean, this you said it in another episode yeah so, so he had crohn's disease he had been diagnosed when he was 12 when we were in north dakota his medication stopped working which happens so he had it he was like shuffling all around doing all these different meds and Tests. was on a bunch of steroids and prednisone it was all over the place so we get down here he needs health insurance to blah 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 he finally, like, gets a doctor down here, and the doctor's like, ooh, we're probably going to need to do surgery. Like, these things are not good. And this is the biggest fight that he and I had ever been in. We get to the day of his surgery. It was supposed to happen in November. We get to the day of his surgery, and we're talking with the lady, and she goes, okay, and uh, insurance. And he was like, well... I'm still waiting to, like, get approval from, like, the state one. And she was like, well, so we can't do this till that happens. And I had been led to believe he had insurance. I didn't know he didn't have insurance until this meeting. It was one of the biggest fights we'd ever had. Which makes sense. Yeah, I was was furious. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I had been the only one working, so I'd been the only one paying bills. I was very stressed out. He was very stressed out. Lots of stress on both sides. Yeah. Neither of us were, were being our best selves at all at this point ended up having like a three-month battle with trying to get insurance and all this stuff finding a new surgeon because this other hospital didn't take the it was this whole mess finally we get to march 
of 2017, and his surgery was March 2nd. My dates are getting fuzzy. They shouldn't be fuzzy, but That's they're okay. getting fuzzy. He has a surgery. Everything goes well. They did. It was five hours laparoscopically. His parents came down to help because I couldn't take time off. So basically, he had bowel resection surgery. They removed like half of his large intestine, like eight or inches of his small intestine, his appendix. He had a few other, like this, this whole thing. Surgeon was basically like, all right, you, he stayed in the hospital for two or three days. Go home rest we make it to day 10 you're in the clear you're in the clear but he was the surgeon was like but everything due to the two and a half years of prednisone use in north dakota he described his like intestines as being like tissue paper thin Mm -hmm. in some parts so he's like there's a good chance that these reattachments aren't gonna hold and you're gonna get a tear and you're gonna get a leak Ugh. and we're gonna have to put this it, whatever so Super scary. we make it to day 10 and his incision bursts open and he's rushed back to the hospital which was that is awful 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 he then got like a drain put in he was in the hospital then for about eight days and I stayed there. I called out of all of my shifts. I was I like, would too. Yeah. There'd be and no way. At the time, I felt kind of crazy because based on like all the doctors, they're like, okay, things are progressing the way we expected them to. This is totally normal. And so I felt a little psycho being like, no, I'm going to sleep in this chair in but your hospital. When you love somebody. Right. And like- it was right. So, so then I, I do that for the next like eight or nine days. And I finally, like on that ninth day, I was like, okay, like I need, I need to go home. I need to shower. I need to like sleep in a bed and not in a chair. I just, I just need a night. I just need one night. (laughs) Joke's on me. So I go home. This is on March 21st. Um, I go home, I get, I bring Oswald home from my friend who he was staying with. And I remember specifically, so at this point, Corey's dad had gotten back to Wisconsin. His mom was still staying with me and I get home and, you know, Corey asked to FaceTime so we could see Oswald. It's your baby. (laughs) So I remember distinctly going to bed and saying, I'm going to not, I'm going to turn my ringer on. I'm going to not have my phone be on silent just in case. And I was like, Rachel everything is fine. Just be calm. Get a good night's sleep. So I did not do that. Uh, what I did do, however, is wake up at, it must have been two o'clock in the morning, two thirty in the morning with about four missed calls from the hospital and a voicemail that just said, Hey, we need you to, you, uh, really need to call us back. Please call us back. Call us back. So I go to call them back and a nurse answers. And I was like, Hey, I have these missed calls. And they're like, okay, let me get the doctor. And so at this point, I start putting clothes on. I like I'm throw, I don't even know threw some a sweater on and whatever. I wake up Corey's mom and I'm like, I think we have to go. I think we have to go. I think we need to go. And the nurse comes back and says, Hey, the doctor is busy right now. She just asked me to to ask you guys to get here as as soon as possible. And so at this point, we're rushing out to my car and I get like a phone call from an unknown number that I don't answer because I'm like jump jumping into the car to drive and I get a voicemail and it's Corey's surgeon um, who says, Hey, call me back. Um, I need to speak with you. And I'm driving. And so I'm like, I can't compute call. I can't, I can't do all of these things at at three o'clock in the morning. I, yeah. So I'm like, Joelle, that's Corey's mom. I'm like, you need to call. You need to call. 
him. I can't, I can't call him. So we're on the freeway and she gets a hold of a surgeon. He's like, I'm going to need you guys to pull over. I'm going to need you to pull off of the freeway right now. And I don't know how the conversation went. I wasn't on the phone. Um, but essentially like she gets off the phone and tells me that like Corey is gone. And I don't totally, I, I'm pretty sure I just like started screaming. <laughs> like I said, I really disassociated from so much of it. But so we're both like, so what do we do? Like, do we, we're just like, Hold off on the like. What do we do? And this, his surgeon was like, "I would, you know, come down to the hospital and they'll talk you through everything." And we we're like, "Okay." So for the grace of the universe, we make it to the hospital. Um, we get out of the car, the parking garage, and I threw up. I threw up in the parking garage, like next to my car. Um, we get inside the hospital, and Corey's dad calls. I'm not going to go into details of that because it's. I don't need to share their their aspects of this, but it was horrific. It was absolutely horrific. Get up there and meet with the surgeon who basically told us at like two o'clock, Corey had like called for a nurse to help him get out of bed so he could go to the bathroom. And as like the nurse was helping him get up, he was like, hang on a second. I don't feel very well. Started having convulsions. And so she like dropped the bed and started CPR right away. They had, like, an OR ready because, like, his incision, obviously, like, the drain, he was, like, leaking blood. And so they had they did CPR for, like, 45 minutes and, and pronounced him at, like, 2.45 in the morning. And it's so weird to me, and I, like, get it. I've watched a lot of medical shows, but, like, the way the surgeon just, like, it's just cold, hard facts. It's, Is it? hey... Um, so at two o'clock, he asked for this. He had convulsions. She dropped the bed. She performed CPR for 45 minutes. At that time, uh, we had an OR ready just in case, but we never got a heartbeat back. Uh, we pronounced it at 2.45, whatever. And you're just wow. like sitting there. Uh, but I mean, that's their and job I, and I get it, but fuck. Yeah. And I understand that like they have to be cold, hard facts because otherwise yeah. your brain can't understand like you, if there's any hope, right. you're like, well, but no. Right. Like, I get it, but it's still, like, looking back, I'm like, Jesus, fuck. Yeah. (sighs) So then to come to find out, this nurse, this poor sweet baby nurse, this was her first loss. So I, like, ended up at some some point a couple months later, I went back and I left a card for her. She was an overnight nurse, so I didn't see her, but I left a card for her just being like, I appreciate you for being with him. Yeah. Because, like, that's that's going to... Yeah. So we then took turns like going well no we both went into the room to like see him and i just like collapsed onto the floor and then Corey's mom didn't want to be in there any longer and i was like i'm gonna stay there's this weird ass chaplain in there that was like saying weird stuff and i was like i would just really like to be alone right now and so speaking of like bizarre things that we do not everyone knows this i have never I haven't shared these with anyone. They are for me and me only. But I took a picture of of me like holding his hand in that in in there. Um, just as because it, it is you're like this is the last mm-hmm. time, and it's not them, and like the bed is not him. But like you yeah. just there's this weird need to document like yep this last moment yeah. of whatever the fuck it is. So I sat in there for a while, and then I went back to the other room. They were holding her. I I told Corey's mom I was like you know I. You do you, but I recommend just going and being in there by yourself for a little while. And I think at this point, it's like five something in the morning. Um, and I call. So I go to call my mom. And I don't remember this conversation at all. She tells me all the time how confused she was because I call her. And it's, you know, 4 or 5 a.m. here. So it's 
5 or 6 a.m. in Wisconsin. And so she was like, why is Rachel calling? And I guess all I said was Corey's gone. So my mom was like, what do you, where did he go? What do you mean he's gone? And I was, I just kept saying he's gone and it finally like clicked for her. And I don't remember any of the thought. I don't remember the conversation at all, except for her being like, I'm going to, I'm going to look up flights, like blah, 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 blah. So I get off the phone with her and then I think I called my best friend Kayla from Wisconsin after that. I don't remember that phone call, but she was basically like, can I come out there? Do you need me? And I was like, I don't know. My mom's looking at flights and she's like, I'm going to call your mom. So then she hangs up. She calls my mom. I think I ended up calling Fargo Cassie. I don't remember that conversation at all. I made a lot of phone calls. Like, <laughs> I guess like the, the Virgo in me was like, I have to let people know. Right. So I call her. I don't remember that conversation. I call my roommate that was living with Corey and I. I leave her a voicemail. Oh, no. That she never listened to. Bless her heart. Because I, I, that had to have been crazy. Yeah. So she never listened to it. And then I called my manager. <laughs> because, again, I'm a Virgo. I call my manager and I leave him a voicemail because it's 5 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Basically, and I don't remember this, but basically just being like, hi, Corey Stead, I'm not going to be back to work for a while. Like, yeah. what a voicemail. But... You gotta do what you gotta yeah, do. Yeah, I don't know. It was just, that's how I felt like I was I was doing something. I was letting people know I was taking care of stuff, right? I think then at some point, I don't really remember how much longer we were there, but we all, like, we were like, well, I guess we leave. Like, what do we do? Like, yeah. they gave us his effects and, like, they were like, we'll just be in touch on how to transport him back. To, I, it was like, yeah. I don't really know. So then all I remember after that is, like, getting back to my apartment and just, like, sitting on the floor. Yep. I just sat on the floor and I just stared at, like, the wall. I didn't say I just sat and I stared. And then my roommate woke up and came out and was like, hey, what's going on? And I, like, tell her what happened. Bless bless her heart so much. She dealt with so much living with me in those, those first few days and months and years. Um, but, yeah, so then my mom and Kayla got into town. Corey's aunt flew in. And those days are, like, such a blur, honestly. I don't remember, like I said, I've disassociated from so much of it. I remember, you know, like, like I said, being a type A, like, okay, I need to call and let his employer know because they were holding a job for him. I need to call and let them know that he has passed in this conversation. I, like, feel so bad for all these people I, like, dropped this bomb on. I mean, you have to. Right. Unfortunately, it's like, what do you do? What do you do? So I, um call her and I'm like, hey, this is you know, Corey's girlfriend. You had been holding a position for him. I'm calling to inform you that he has passed away. And she literally was like, what? No, 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 no. I literally just talked to him two days ago. And I was like, yes, same. So did I. Um, <laughs> I'm his girlfriend. I also did that. I also did talk to him two days ago. He is, however, no longer here. Yeah. Um... I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. So did that was like look at like figuring out some of the bills were in his name. So like our electric was in his name. So figuring that out, getting a hold of like some of his getting his student loan information so I could call and let them know. And that is one blessing of like, yeah, we were together for five years. We talked about getting married, but we were like, oh, we don't want kids. What's the point? Like we're in no yeah. rush. And there's pros and cons to that. Right. So like pros where I was not responsible for any of his debt. Right. Which he, I found out later, had a lot of, a lot of medical debt, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, medical debt makes sense. Yeah. That I didn't have to worry about. And then cons, though, where I didn't, I I didn't have any legal right or say for anything. Yep. 
at the time, I didn't care too much. The two things that I requested of of his parents through the process was that he be cremated and that I, I receive some of his ashes because I didn't plan on ever moving back to Wisconsin and I didn't want to feel like I had to go back there. To be with Yeah. Them. And now, like, now years removed, it's at not... Time, at the time, it was very important. Now I'm like, I'll just talk, you know... Your ashes are not you. But at the time, it was very important. And the second thing was I not be listed as girlfriend in the obituary because it, to me, it just didn't signify what it was. It yeah. wasn't like, oh, it's just this girl. Like, it it felt different. So they listed me as partner in life um, in the obituary, which I'm forever grateful for. And yeah, then this, just the process of getting back, it's a whole... It's a whole thing trying to transport um, a body yeah. uh, across states. You need a bunch of documentation. It was a, it was a hot mess. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, no, you get embalmed. You have to get embalmed before you can travel. So he got embalmed. But don't you have to be cold to, like, stay not stinky? Not when you're embalmed. All the fluids are out of your body. Like, oh, it's like hard rock and but like I should know. So this. one I of my to biggest go into that for a while. no, it's absolutely uh-huh. horrific what they do to your body. Uh, After I learned about it, I was scary. like, not a single person fucking throw me in a ditch before anyone really embalms me and puts me Oof, in a casket. I don't want to know. No, the only thing I'll say in one of my biggest regrets is at the funeral, right before they like go into the service, the family gets like a minute because they're like, hey, we're gonna close the casket. You're not going to see him again. And I remember reaching out and touching his hand. And it was like a rock. It's rock hard. Yep. And I was like, oh, I hate that. Oh, I hate that so much. So, so much. So don't recommend. And I don't need to get into like all the details of funeral and and things like that. But if anyone, you know, you'll all come to find out. I'm from Wisconsin. I'm a diehard Packers fan. Corey was a diehard Vikings fan. <laughs> Added a whole bunch of spice to our relationship. Yeah. Um, so what I chose to do on the night of the wake was I wore one of his his Vikings jerseys. That's so sweet. As my, you know, this is as close as you're ever going to get, right? Yeah. My, my symbolism of how much he meant to me. Yeah. Another thing nobody tells you about is is I had to figure, I had to pack. I had to pack clothing for his funeral. I... Two days after he died, I sat in my closet saying, "What do I have to? I have to. Pay, I have to bring the things that." Yeah. And then I had a full meltdown because I didn't think about the fact I'd never get those articles of clothing back because he got cremated. Yep, it's not like they take them off, and not that I'd want yep. them back again. It's just like there's so many things you don't think about until you're there, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Oh, this shirt that I got him for Christmas, I'm now never going to see again." And I had a bit of a meltdown about it, but then I was like, "Do I want it back, though? I don't think I want it back." Right. It's a very, con- it's a very confusing. It's all confusing. Um, so yeah, we did not do an autopsy. So our we don't we just have our best guesses mm-hmm. for why he died. He could have had a blood clot. Could have been that. We don't know. Um, it could have been just an infection and a complication from surgery. What I personally think happened was because they kept trying to wean him off the steroids when we were down here and his resting heart rate would go from like 110 or no not even like it would his resting heart rate would go from like the 90s up to like 150 mm-hmm. of him just laying in a hospital bed so they're like okay so your your body is really heavily relying on these steroids to function so what i think happened is the steroid years for use for 2 years really wore on his heart and all yeah. of his intestines accompany that with surgery and i truly believe 
he wasn't living the quality of life he wanted to. Like when he got put back to the hospital, his demeanor changed drastically. It went from, you know, he was upbeat and cheery when he had to go back to the hospital after his incision incision broke open. Like he was a a shell of who he was, especially around people he felt safe with. So like when I was there, like he was, it was really tough to get him to do anything, but he was a people pleaser, right? So anytime there were nurses or doctors or friends that visited or his parents, like he was cheerful and everything was fine. And are you guys okay? Like you don't have to be here. And then when it was just him and I, it was like a very, he was a very, very different person. Um, And so I think that that had part to do with it um, you're not in good spirits it right on you as well and so i think just the all of it i, I think that his his heart just couldn't take everything that was handled like the, the steroid use the infection all of it and that it just was like yeah we're not doing this anymore it was not ideal it's yeah. not an ideal situation um I almost cried like 12 times there. So I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I Like I said, I feel like I've become such a robot when I tell people about it. Yeah. Because like I have to compartmentalize. 100%. Or I, I would have, I would have, I would never have functioned again mm-hmm. if I didn't put it in a box. Yeah. And remove. And I have feelings about it. Absolutely. I have Absolutely. days. But there's days um, where you take that box out. Yeah, and you go. I'm gonna cry about everything that's yep. happening. I'm gonna right drink now. a bottle of wine. And I'm gonna sit on my floor. Yep. I'm gonna feel, feel all it. my feelings. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's yeah. for sure. So, um, there's that. Rest in peace, Corey. Rest, I rest had a lot of Corey. guilt for not being there. I had a lot of guilt. There's for after not being there. after the fact. There's so many things that you're like, I shouldn't feel guilty about this, but and that's, you absolutely do. And that's the thing, right? Is I feel guilty for not being there, but I'm like, I truly believe that he was waiting until I wasn't there. Yeah. Like he couldn't. A lot of people say that my yeah. mom, her, my old, well, my grandma died a couple years ago when I was still working at O'Kelly's mm-hmm. and, uh, she, they were all her whole, all of her kids were there. My mom, my uncles, whatever, were all with my grandma. They left and went to lunch and then she passed. Yeah. So it's like, and animals do the same thing. They yep. walk they away from away. you or yep. like, yeah. So like I said, I had a lot of guilt in the beginning about that, but I'm just like, no, he would have never let me be there for that like you would have never let anyone be there for that yeah so yeah it was a lot of um borderline alcoholism after the fact Mm -hmm. it's a lot um i was just buying boxed wine because (laughs) a bottle i i would have needed like three bottles a day yeah so a box made more sense financially i've come a long way since since then i've done a lot of work did a lot of therapy worked through a lot of stuff Especially the stuff that, like, we aren't touching on today mm-hmm. that really added an extra layer to this. Yeah. But, end of the day, Corey was was an, an incredible human being. Yeah. And Uh-oh. a really big Uh-oh. chunk of great life. <laughs> I was doing so well. That's okay. Um, he was a great human being who... Never let a single person. Oh man, okay. I don't even cry around like friends. Let alone now, I'm like a podcast that four people are gonna listen to. Um, <laughs> um, and that's something that was said a lot about him was that he never. If there was someone that was more of like on the outskirts or an outcast in like a group, like he was always the first person to go and talk with them and hang out with them and make them feel included. Um, and he he. I attribute um, a lot of 
any sort of carefreeness that I have now to him because he was so go with the flow and so carefree and it offset my rigid type A self a lot. And I'm incredibly grateful for that. But he was good. He was, my family loved him. We joked at all my family reunions that if we ever broke up, they'd get rid of me. (laughs) They'd get rid of me and keep him, which I 100% believe to be truth. Yeah. And yeah, I miss him. I miss him a lot. I miss his stupid face and his stupid Vikings love. And um, and yeah, he was he was an incredibly human being who uh, I don't think I would have got I would have had the courage to move to Arizona without having him as a support. And I joke that like when I went back to Wisconsin because I stayed back for about four or five weeks. And it was March and April. It was mostly April, uh, March and April. And it was gloomy and rainy and the sun didn't come out for one minute the four or five weeks I was back. And I'm like, I know that this is Corey making yeah. sure that I remember why I don't want to be here. Yeah. And I I attribute a huge portion of my healing process to being somewhere that is sunny and is warm. And there's palm trees, which always make me feel like I'm on vacation. And... I'm incredibly grateful that I I came back down here because it set the the trajectory of of everything else and I'm I'm so and that's another weird thing right is like I'm so incredibly grateful and I talked to my friend Patty who I've mentioned a couple of times whose boyfriend died just a few months before Corey they've been together for nine years um, she will probably be on the podcast yeah. at some point she can share that herself but she and I have these moments all the time where we look at each other when we're out at a game night or out for a dinner with friends or at a sporting event. And we, we have these moments where we stop and we look at each other and we go, we would have never had yeah. a single part of this yep. had the most horrible thing that has ever happened to us happen, not happened. Like if, if Nick and Corey were still here, we wouldn't have this. And like, well, we, we wouldn't, we want them to be back and not be dead. There's just this weird, this weird push and pull of like, I'm so incredibly grateful for my life and for the people that I have. And I wouldn't have that had that not, like, it's a complete mind fuck of like, well, I I wouldn't want to not have you actually. I wouldn't want to not have these people in my life, but like also I wish someone didn't have to die for that too. Like, it's just, a constant mind us back to the everything happens for a reason we're all in each other's life for a reason there's just something that's meant to happen to bring us all to this point so it's like and it's shitty. and there's nothing that we could have done to have stopped but goddamn how many times have i looked back and yeah. been like if i had only been here if i had only texted then like i only said this if i had only yeah yeah, yeah. exactly that's enough heaviness for everybody. I'm sure I talked for about a million years. So okay. um, we'll go into a different heavy story. Yay! Yay! It's not mine this time, so it's okay. I'm better about it. Um, also, I think this is going to be a pretty long one, you Probably. guys. Sorry. Um, so, but that's okay. I think if you guys are interested, you're interested. If you're not, you're not. And we have other podcasts, you know, episodes yeah. that will be a little more relevant to other people's lives. <laughs> this is relevant. I mean, just in the sh- in the five in the four years since Corey's died, I've accumulated like five friends that have dead boyfriends. That's like, true. But I mean, to like everybody who might be listening, right? You know I mean? Right. But also maybe listen because I feel like the hardest part when you know someone that's going through a loss is like you don't know how to help them or what to do or what to yeah. say. And to be honest, like the best is just to be there to show up. 
to listen to keep showing just, up. Yeah, keep showing up is a big one. Specifically after a few weeks have passed. Yeah, because that's when everyone's like, oh, okay, so like the funeral's done. Everything, yeah. you're home. Everything's back to everyone else yep. goes back to normal life. And you, I just sat there saying, my life is never going to be normal again. Right. And so about like show up for people specifically after that first month. Yeah. Because most people stop showing up at that point. And that's when you really start. Like I was numb for that first month, but then right, right after everyone just kind of like left me there in my numbness. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Yep. I guess I have two friends now. Yep. <laughs> so even if you have not personally gone through this, like hopefully you can take some tidbits out of this on how to be there. And like, everyone's different. What everybody needs is different. But like I said, just showing up and not trying to, to relate or compare it to the loss of your great grandfather. Right. And just like showing up and listening and being there and like, yeah. Yeah. So I'll shut up now. No, you're good. I'm done. Uh, okay. So I guess it's my turn to talk about Dalton. So Dalton and I met, in eighth grade, we were 13. It's really cheesy how I say all of this because I liked him since I was 13. Yes. Um, I remember walking into school one day and literally the first time I saw him, I can still remember, which is really gross. That's disgusting. <laughs> and I hate myself for it, but I literally remember seeing him across this like green belt thing and I was like, oh God, he's so cute because I was into emo boys. Yeah. Like, not that he was like emo, but he was definitely like could you grow up? Hair. Could you grow up in the early 2000s and not be into emo guys? That's I don't think really it's physically possible. Yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate. It's, it's not possible. <laughs> So either way, we were in relatively some of the same friend circles because those kinds of kids always tend to stick together. But I do remember one of my really good friends at the time, she basically said, nope, mine, not yours. So I kind of like left that alone. He and I ended up at the same high school for a couple years before he dropped out. And that same friend of mine was like, oh, Dalton and I made out at the the mall the other day, which apparently never happened. (laughs) Um, or he could have been lying to me. Who knows? To make me feel better. Whatever. Because I am that girl. Um, but also like girls in high school, though. Yeah. We all were just. Yeah. Ugh. So, we were all icky. <laughs> we're all icky. So basically that happened. So I just left him alone because I was like, okay, she wants him that badly, which I did too. But I'm that friend that I'm like, I'm always going to take the back seat for my other friends. Yeah. So years later, I'm working at that bar that we met at. Mm-hmm. And I was dating... We'll call him the music man. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, okay, so I was dating the music man, yeah. and I was very addicted to drugs, and I shouldn't have been in that relationship at all. It was purely because I was in a fog, I guess I would say, yeah. by being such uh, an abuser of substances. But I had started seeing Dalton coming into the bar and I was like, oh God, I remember why I liked him so much. He's so dang cute and he's got such a personality. Everybody loves this kid, you know? So his birthday rolls around. He's a September Libra um, and I am feeding him shots. And I'm just like, nope, shots, 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 getting him drunk for his birthday. I, um, I think at this point I had broken up with Music Band and I told him I would not date anybody else until I was off of drugs. Okay. So I made that a point that I'm not going to date anybody else until I am sober and that's what's going to happen. 
So Dalton and I are messaging back and forth. I message him on Facebook and I'm like, hey, like I haven't seen you in a long time. How are you? Blah, 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 whatever. And he wasn't very receptive to it. Like he was, but he wasn't. Okay. Like he was flirting. He definitely was. But at the same time, he was very guarded, which valid. He has had a lot of past trauma in relationships and a lot of things that I'm just not going to say about, but... Samesies. No, really. <laughs> and you were like, thanks, man. You gave me the ultimate relationship no, really. trauma. Love that. <laughs> yeah, so basically, I got drunk on Trulies one night after I had his phone How number. How many Trulies do you have to drink to get drunk? I definitely had like six or seven. <laughs> So I call him and I'm like, hey, so here's the deal. So like, either you're going to talk to me or you're going to stop talking to me. Oh, man. Because I was like, I like you. I've liked you since I was 13. Ultimatum Ashley. (laughs) But I'm not normally like that. But I I really liked him. Like, I wanted him more than I've wanted anybody. And You were the Corey in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And so from that day forward, he put so much more effort into Mm. it and he really was like okay I guess we're doing this Halloween comes around and he's hanging out with his friend and Tara they all went to Denny's and I was like Tara invite me to Denny's invite me to Denny's right now invite me I'm gonna be off work in like two seconds please invite me to Denny's so I get invited to Denny's immediately I was like nah this shit's happening so you go you know you do the whole like hand on the leg thing under the table you know what I mean so I'm like alright I'm just gonna make my move and this is gonna be it so that that night we had our first kiss and then basically the rest is history although I'm really great like this and in all relationships I do this thing where I'm like I really 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 want you and then once you're really interested I'm like oh I'm over it. I just liked that chase. And I wasn't over it. It was more of a, I'm not ready to commit and say we're boyfriend and girlfriend. <laughs> we're going to hang out and have sex, but I don't know if I'm going to say that we're boyfriend and girlfriend yet. Well, and that's one thing that you and I talk about a lot, right? Well, we've ta- had this conversation is, is somehow having sex with somebody mm-hmm. for us. Sure. Okay. Yeah. It's like that is considered usually the most intimate thing you can do with yeah. somebody. But I have zero emotional attachment to it. I okay. This and I'm, so for me, I'm both. Yeah. If I like the person, then it, it you have to have sex with me consistently, or I feel like you don't like me anymore. Okay. But if I don't like you, I'm gonna have sex with you all the time, and it's Not, gonna be like I don't. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. I I don't have any sort of emotional connection to it, which is like my own traumas. Everybody. Hey, we all been there. <sighs> so, to me, like. Having sex with them, I'm like, okay, sure, it doesn't. Yeah. It, this, this means nothing to right. me. It's like the other stuff that, like, if I start actually sharing things about myself, like, really deep, hard life dramas and truth, like, that's my, right. that's my, like, oh, we're, like, we're doing this now. Yeah. No. So we hung out for, like, a month, I want to say, and, like, did everything together. We were together all of the time. Did escape rooms all the time together. Mm-hmm. Just we were all kind of like hanging out in one big group. Me, him, and Tara were around each other constantly. He was always at my house because he yeah. didn't want to be where he was living. Yeah, Remember we did the steampunk one. Yeah, that was the, the one and only time. Yeah, yeah. And I remember because he was he. We went to. Um, was it all? Yeah, after with Andre because we went to yes, the bar after the fact that was owned, that was by, owned by, this, by the people. Who, yes, and then he ended up working with them and helping build mini escape rooms for their um, Renaissance. Festival. Renaissance. Yep. Festival. Yep. Yeah. Which <laughs> that was a fun night. 
Yeah, it was a really good night. And that's when I was still drinking. <laughs> so end of November-ish, I decided that I really wanted to be with Dalton. So I decided I was going to take one last Adderall and call it quits after that. And I started withdrawing really badly. I was getting panic attacks at work and people were like, what's happening? I didn't even know what, ha- what was yeah. happening. My body was breaking down and it, it was not okay. But he... I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say he used to dabble in things too, so he knew where I was coming from, mm-hmm. and he was there to support me. And anytime I was not okay, he came over and he held my hand, and I would be shaking and and freaking out. And he was there and he knew exactly what to do. And I've never had someone who, not that I've ever been withdrawing from drugs before, but I've never had someone be like, "I'm gonna be here through every single hard part," right. you know, which is insane. So I'm finally off drugs. Uh, December 8th comes around and I we were sitting on like my big chair that I will not get rid of now because of it. Yeah. And I look at him and I'm like, fine, I'll do it. And he goes, do what? And I said, I'll be your fucking girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> but you did yours in like a cute, funny way where I was truly just like <laughs> finally being like, Ugh, fine. Yeah. Uh, you've broken me enough to say yes. Yeah. He yeah, I I finally broke down. It was it was good. I was very happy about it. I remember that moment so clearly. And then we had some really great times, some good months. There were some challenges. His ex started messaging him mm-hmm. at one point no, and I hate uh, that. The unfortunate part is she has a kid, so he she was using that against him because he loved that kid. So that was not great <laughs> at all. But I was very honest, and I was like, hey, if she wants... Because she was trying to stay with him and be like, well, I'm in an abu- abusive relationship. Like, take me back or whatever, whatever. Yeah. And I was like, if she's having problems, she can stay at my house. If, if she's truly having a problem, you can tell her she can stay at my house right. and I'll help her because I've been in that situation. Right. So, like, that was just a whole weird thing in itself. So he's over at my house on Friday and we're having a great night. Everything's super good. I wake up in the morning and we have sex and I definitely let him do whatever up in my business and I did not take plan B. Uh. It was one of those situations. Yeah. We talked about this, though, too, because I was terrified that I was pregnant. Yeah. Right around when Corey died. Because, like, your body just, like, shuts down. Yeah. But I just had, like, such a reason because it was right right then. Right. But that's terrifying. That's a whole other level of, Mm -hmm. like, what in the fuck am I supposed to do if this is But I wanted it to be real. I did not. I so badly was like, let me have a piece of him. No. See, I... Even though I don't want kids. Right. And I get that. I totally get that. But I... I was like, nope, I'll have to move back to Wisconsin. I can't keep yeah. this baby away from his family. Like, yeah. to me, it was the absolute worst thing that could have happened. And and that just goes to show there's, like, different sides of everything yep. for everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. So Friday, more, or no, I guess that would be Saturday. So it's Friday night. Mm-mm. Then it was Thursday okay. that he came over. Friday morning, we had sex. He left, went back to his parents' house. Yes. Okay. Because then Saturday, he wasn't with me. He was like, I'm going to stay with my parents for the night, whatever. And then, um... Sunday morning, I, no, Saturday night after work, I texted him and then he messaged me how much he loved me and just, and this is the thing with a lot of people, they don't understand how serious we got because it was so quick, but I've known the kid for 13 years, not necessarily we were best friends for the entire time, but like, it's not like I didn't know him and I 
you feel what you feel. Right. Absolutely. You know? And that's, we've talked about this because there's a whole aspect in shame that I had because mm-hmm. like Corey and I weren't married. Yeah. So like, does, do I count? Does yeah. this count? Does this, and I, like, I was like, no, this counts for me. Yeah. This counts for me. And that's why like, I've told you that there were a couple of moments where I had some of those thoughts about you and I was like, Rachel, that's just like an icky part of us mm-hmm. that like wants to negate other people's feelings. Yeah. And I always came back to like, it's real. It feels yeah. real to you and it's horrific. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it was two days or 40 years. Like yeah. it's, it's all horrific in different ways and you can't say one grief is worse or less worse than another. Right. Cause you don't exactly. know. I mean, even like my dad, I don't know why he would tell me this, but he told me that him and my brother both had a conversation about, they don't understand how I'm so upset when it didn't last that long. And my dad came into the bar one day and was like, yeah, but there's other fish in the sea. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Did you really just say that after your daughter lost her fucking boyfriend? Like, obviously, I have daddy issues from that fucking comment. You can tell me and him don't have a great relationship. But, like, in the visitation at the wake, <sighs> Ashley, I'm standing next to Corey's dead body in a mm-hmm. casket. And this is what we go back to, like, people just don't know what the fuck to say, so they just say stuff, and they think it's helpful, and you're like, what in the, why would yeah. you say that? Some lady literally was just like, you're so young, though, you'll find love again. Like, I'm literally standing next, I'm standing next to his dead body. Yeah. Why do we think that's an okay thing to say? It's not. Do you want me to say that about your per- per- husband? Right. Oh, well, you know, if he died, it'd be okay, because there's other right. people you can be with. You would never say that to somebody. And like I said earlier, it's a whole other thing after your partner dies trying to be with other people. Like, it's just not, you're not thinking the same. No. There's so much trauma there that, like, no matter who you talk to or date, they're going to have a shit time. (sighs) (laughs) And it sucks because some people I've genuinely really liked, but I can't figure out how to love them while loving someone who's gone. Yeah. And it's just a weird, weird time. Yep. Anyways, where was I? So I got a text from him saying how much he loved me. And I was like, I you know, love you so fucking much, whatever I said. And then he sent me another text and it was along the same lines, but I couldn't really understand what he was saying. Like, it seemed like he was hammered or something. And then I was like, all right, babe, I'm going to, you know, I'm getting off work. I'm going to go. I love you. Good night. And then he just put dot, 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 dot. And then I was like, okay. So I called him. He did not answer. I was like, all right. And whatever. note that, like, you're getting off of work at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning. Yes. Because bar life. So. Yeah, exactly. So that night, I ended up texting Music Man. And we were having a weird conversation. And I don't, it was, it was not a great conversation. It's not like we were flirting or anything like right. that. It was like, um, I don't even know how, it was just a conversation. And so. Of course, later, after everything happened, I was like, he was dying and I was talking to you and blah, blah, blah. Like, it was a whole, I felt so bad for, and I made him feel bad, which is not okay. Like, Mm -hmm. that was not okay to make him feel like that at all. So, it's Super Bowl Sunday, and I'm working the Super Bowl. Um, Dalton has not messaged me at all. I've texted him multiple times. Oh, that's why this ties. Okay, so, Music Man and Dalton's best friend were becoming close. And so anything that I told Music Man, he would tell Dalton's best friend and it would come back to Dalton and it would be like a weird, misinterpreted 
like I was talking to Music Man yeah. about something and like whatever, whatever. And I'm like, no, like I'm in love with you. I would never, there's no, I would not risk this. Like, yeah. no, I wanted this for so long. Yeah. So I just thought, okay, he's mad at me. He's mad at me because he heard that I was talking to Music Man and, and you know, something's wrong and it's fine and I'm just gonna let him be mad and whatever, whatever. So I'm working and I cannot get him out of my mind. I told Tara to text him. I told everyone, I was like, can you say something to him? Like something's happening. I don't know what to do. And so I finally get a message on Instagram, one message from his sister and one message from his mom saying, hey, can you please call us? And I did not say anything to my manager. I literally, I, or maybe I did. I was like, okay, I'm going outside. I don't really care. His parents told me to call him, to call them. And so I was like, cause I know something's wrong and I knew it. So I pick up the phone. The very first thing that I heard was, are you, did you and Dalton get in a fight? And I was like, what? No, what? I don't understand. And our manager came out and I'm on the phone and I'm on the ground because I was freaking out and I couldn't stand. And his mom goes, we lost him. You know, he's gone. And I was like, what happened? I don't like I'm trying to not cry because I don't know them. And um, they told me he, he, he hit his head and he passed away. And uh, he was gone for four hours before anybody found him. So I hang up the phone. I'm supposed to meet them on Wednesday for like the funeral plan or not funeral plans, but like the viewing of his body or whatever. I immediately start screaming at the top of my lungs. My manager like picks me up off the ground and like pulls me into his arms. And I was just like, what? <laughs> like I wanted this person for so long and then just gone whoops there it goes <laughs> um and then i called i got in the car why would they let me drive I, who the fuck decided it was okay to let I me drove. Like, i don't know it's unclear i it's, i don't understand don't um and then i called you and i don't remember i remember you just being like i'm sorry what well what ha no because you called me and i didn't answer you didn't you didn't i didn't answer okay. i don't think on the first one i don't remember then or maybe, no, I, so this is what happened. I saw that you were calling and I looked and I was like, it's Sunday and we used to work Sunday nights together. Oh. So it was like Sunday at like seven or eight. Mm -hmm. And so I, I saw that you were calling and I almost didn't answer, but then I was like, she should be working. Why is she calling me? Yeah. And so then I, I just distinctly remember being like, we worked this shift together on Sunday nights when I worked at the bar. I was like, so she is at work. Something is happening. Yeah. Like, why would she call me? And I don't really remember the conversation either. I don't. I think either. I went into just like, yeah, disassociated mode as oh, well. Oh, for sure. So. I don't remember the drive home. I know I called you. I know I called my mom. Um, I think I just was like, text me your address. Give me your address right now. Like I and I just hopped in yeah. the car. And I didn't even go inside my apartment. I sat outside and waited for you because I was like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I'm not. It wasn't real yet. You know what I mean? It just was not, I didn't feel human. I was very confused. I already have very bad disassociation, uh, almost a hundred percent of the time. So I just felt like nothing was real. And I was like, this is all a dream. You're going to wake up. You're going to be in your body at some point and it's going to be years prior. But, um, so yeah, that happened. And then I went home, I cried with you and my mom and, uh, we talked about everything and you just told me everything sucks and, and I needed that. And my mom was like, is it great to say everything sucks right now? Because, like, you're going through it. And I'm like, it was just this two different people yeah. of styles of how to help me at that yeah. point. <laughs> None of them were wrong. It was just, it was just, 
I I was not there yeah. at that point. Yeah. So I'm waiting for my roommate to get home. You guys left. And then Tara comes home and I, I didn't even cry when she walked in the door. I was just numb. I was like, I cried all my tears while you, after you yeah. guys left, you know, two days later we go, I finally meet his parents. Like I'd never met his family before. And that was fucking wild. And that next Thursday we went and saw his body. And that was the weirdest feeling because like, he's not him. But you want it to be him. Right. And it was just a weird... I remember I... They all left the room and left me alone with him for a while. And they were like, we're waiting for you to like come in here first or whatever. After they did. And I remember I kissed him and I was like, why did you do that? Why did you do that? But like, I just needed it. But I get that. I would have. But Corey still had a tube down his throat. Oh, yeah. So I couldn't do that. Yeah. That's very... Which I think is why I took the hand picture. Yeah. Because like... There is. There's this weird. You. It's just you need to do. But it almost. It but... almost showed me like, oh God, that's really not him. Right. You know what I mean? Because there was no feeling behind it. There was no. It was. Just, and I don't even know how to describe how fucking weird he looked. Like he looked like himself, but he didn't. Like it mm-hmm. was just he'd been embalmed and all that situation. You know. So it was very a, a weird time. And they didn't do, like, a funeral or anything because they figured he probably wouldn't want that, which I completely agree. He's that kind of person. We all have a little bit of his ashes, and then we made rings with some of his ashes in it. But, yeah, that first, that year, because February 2nd, he passed. March 17th was our first day of quarantine. And I, when I tell you my mental health went so far down the drain because we were stuck inside, and I was stuck inside a month after my boyfriend passed. And I went absolutely insane. Uh, (laughs) Obviously, I Amazoned a bunch of witchy stuff (laughs) because I just needed him to be around. I remember I I, I wasn't sleeping, obviously. So I finally, like one night, I was like, I'll set like seven alarms to wake myself back up. I was wearing my glasses still, but I was just going to take a nap real quick. And I finally dreamt about him because he'd never let me dream about him at all. And I couldn't, it was weird. It was like... It was like this thing that he was just not letting me do it, you know, like just forget me kind of thing, which bothered the fuck out of me. But I finally dreamt about him and he was still passed, but I woke up, all of my alarms had been turned off and my glasses were folded and put to the side. And I was like, that wasn't me. (laughs) I didn't do that. You know what I mean? So that just felt like, okay, he's still here and he's like, you're not good. And I'm so sorry that I fucked up, you know, but. And I... I feel like those that those moments are like really healing mm-hmm. to an extent, right? Mm-hmm. So it was when I was back home. It was within the first month that Corey had died, but I had a dream about him where he he had died, but like in my dream, obviously he was he was alive and he was laying in his hospital bed. And I like walked in there and I like laid in the hospital bed with him, and we we were just able to say all the things that we couldn't yeah. say, right? So he was just like. I'm so sorry. I had to, I couldn't let you be here. I love you. I miss you. I didn't want to live, you know, like we had our goodbye that we didn't get to have. Right. And it's, it's, it's weird. It's, it's so, cause it's so vivid to me. I remember very little of my dreams, but that one is like still to this day. Yeah. It's super later. hard having like a person gone that you literally, you weren't there. Neither of us were there. You can't say goodbye to. There's so many things we want to say to you that we just can't now. And it's just, it's the weirdest feeling 
on the planet to have this person so close to you no matter how long it was, you know, but, and to just not be able to like hug him one more time or, you know, just like literally just even just like fist pound him, you know what I mean? Like something, I just need to know that you're there. So I've, I've gone to so many psychics because I can't let it go. I've, I've been better this year, but last year I could not let it go. Like it was, it was bad. So, and like you said, you have to put it in a box a little bit. And that's, I think the hardest part too is with like their families and stuff is you want to keep them alive, but also at the same time to heal, you have to separate it a little bit more than they probably want you to, or anybody wants you to. Um, but I think that's just honestly kind of how we heal things because we need to joke about it. We need to put it away or else it'll just be it can't be every single minute of my existence or I would have killed myself I absolutely have thought about it (laughs) 100% I'm like not we joke but like yeah it's it was never anything I seriously considered or had an action plan for but it was absolutely life would things would it would be better to Mm -hmm. not be here yeah and so it is, and, and other people grieve differently. Mm-hmm. Like, and and what was hard for me was, well, we all lost the same person. Mm-hmm. He was different for each of us. Yes, and so exactly. once I realized that, it, I was able to have a lot more grace for my frustrations with the other people and and, and how others were grieving. Mm-hmm. Was, you know, it's none of it is worse, better, harder, easier. Right we all had a very different relationship and while we all lost one person, our relationship with that person was different and so that grief is going to look different. Yeah. Um, But like you said, like, I couldn't live, I couldn't have every single minute of my day, which is why I self-medicated with um, wine. Yeah. It was the only way I could even build up enough courage, whatever you want to call it, to crawl back into my bedroom and my bed that I shared with somebody for five years, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I had to be blackout drunk to even have that be something that was something I could do. And I think that's one of the hardest parts for me is because I was just going through sobriety and I couldn't do drugs. I couldn't drink. My body literally refused to let me do anything. I had to stop smoking cigarettes because my anxiety got so bad when I would just smoke. I had to stop drinking soda because my anxiety got so bad from just having sugar. Like my body was done for. And it had been put through anything and everything it could have been through. So it's, it's great now and I'm happy I'm sober, but like man, did I want to fucking just do a bunch of drugs and drink everything and, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I did. I did uh, drink a lot. I can't say that it made it better. I cannot say that it made it better. But did it make it worse? Probably not. I don't know. I go back and forth on that. But yeah, I think that's we we joke about this a lot that we just have to like disassociate from some things. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's like like we just we had to figure out how we could disassociate from it for at least chunks of time every day. Yeah. Because otherwise, like, I would have killed myself. Mm-hmm. There was absolutely no way. Absolutely none. I completely agree. But also, don't do that. No, don't um, do that. If you feel like you're gonna, you can totally talk to us about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's really, that's really all I have to say about that. Having but dead boyfriends sucks. It's the worst. Like we said, we don't wish it on literally anybody. No. But it has, since we can't do anything about it at this point, right? Like, it, mm-hmm. it is it is what it is. Yeah. And we cannot change it. Not enough manifestation in the world. Mm-hmm. We'll do that. I feel like you and I have both done as well as we can 
to flip into being as grateful as physically possible. I am so much more grateful than about my life. 1000%. Than I've ever been ever. My love language is words of affirmation. And I feel like since Corey passed, like I over tell people how much they mean to me and how much I care about them because like, and sometimes I I falter on it and I'm like, oh shit, I got to get better at this because like one day that they just won't. And and you always think like, well, that will never happen to me. Right. That'll never happen to me. I never thought. And then it happened to me. And my boyfriend died at, like, 28 years old. Mm-hmm. And so you can always, you know, there's always tomorrow, but there isn't. Yeah. There isn't, which is why, like, um, a couple episodes ago, I um, made a joke about being somebody thinking I was almost 30 and how I was like, I really have no problem with age because it is something that not everyone gets to experience, yeah. which is sucky. But like we said, it makes us more grateful for everything that we have. Obviously, you get back to your day-to-day routine and and you kind of forget sometimes, but then things pull you back and you realize every day is a freaking miracle. Yeah. So, whether... And life is absolutely short. Yeah. so short. So, now you guys know. Yeah, you know what happened. Why why we... (laughs) Our brains are broken. (laughs) Why we are the way that we are. Or part of it. There's childhood and father issues. Oh, for both of us. But, (laughs) as we stated before, absolutely our biggest red flag is... The trauma from this. Yeah. yeah. So just, I'll leave you with, just just tell people you love them and you care about them and how much they mean to you. So much so that it gets annoying. As that many you, times Or that you, you think can. it's annoying. Yeah. My biggest thing that I try and do now is write people notes or cards or letters. I take a lot of pictures. But it's like those things that I hold on to. Like every single handwritten note that I have from Corey is like in a literally in a fireproof safe. Yeah. In my house. Like because it's my most prized possession. I get I literally have Dalton wrote I love you on my whiteboard and I will not get rid of it. I literally have it tattooed on me. Like it's just one of those Um, things. So yeah. Just tell people over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Even if they know that you love them like continue to say it and tell them and send the texts and the letters send the cards make the phone calls yeah and just do the things that you want to do now too because there's nothing there's not tomorrow is not guaranteed no and there's i would rather be annoyingly triple quadruple text somebody and not get a response than to have regretted that i never told that like that person like what they meant to me so i agree Hey, Rachel, I love you. I love you, too. (laughs) Just so you know. Just so you know. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. Be be kind, guys. Because you really don't know why someone might be having a day. You don't know. So. I agree. I think we're both starting to disassociate a little bit. Oh, it's Because that was a heavy episode. So. I love you. I love you, too. All right. Bye, friends. Until next time. (laughs) 